0: amazing grace Kona, welcome you to today's lesson from pastor izzy manzo our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you now here's pastor izzy turn to mark chapter 14 look at verse 3 it says and while it says he was in bethany at the home of simon the leper he was reclining at the table and there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume It was a a perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. Now, some of them were indignant, remarking to one another, for what purpose has this perfume been wasted? He says, for this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii. This is almost an entire year's salary that a man would make in one vial of perfume. Is that valuable perfume? And she takes it and pours it over Jesus. And it says, and some were indignant. Now, who <clears throat> who was the chief indignant one? Judas. If you remember when we, we, we studied this in Matthew, he was all, meh, meh, meh. but it says he was indignant, not because he really cared about, he actually made this thing about, you know, saying, the, the money could have been taken, it could have been sold, and the money given to the poor. But what what uh, Matthew, he, he tells us that this guy, he wasn't um, really concerned with the poor right? What what did he really want to do? He used to steal from the, he used to steal pilfer from the money box. He just, he was just jealous. I could have had more money. I could have steal. Now, we're coming right on the part where he's going to go betray Jesus for money. Right here in this very passage today, it says that they were indignant and verse five says, and this perfume might've been sold for over 300 denarii, the money given to the poor. And they were scolding this woman. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done me this this good deed to me. And Jesus says, for the poor you have with you always. And wherever you go, whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But he says, but you do not always have me. So she had done this, what she could do. She had anointed his body beforehand for burial. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that which this woman has done shall be spoken in memory of her. Everywhere the gospel gets spoken, they point out this gal. That, that, you know, we do have the poor with us always, but we don't always have Jesus sitting there at the table. And there he was with them. And they were missing the point. I mean, she wasn't. She's like, this guy is important. This guy is worthy of even taking my most valuable, precious possession and pouring it out on him, lavishing on. I mean, is Jesus really worth giving our best thing to him? If he was here, would you give your best thing to him? Or you say, "Uh, I got a pair of old shoes. You can have them really worn. You know, I'll give you that. You know, sometimes people, when they talk about giving to the Lord, I notice that In our culture, a lot of giving to the work of ministries and stuff is really the hand-me-downs and cast-offs of things that people are just like, well, I got a new one. I don't need this. I'll just give it to God. Like, poor God. He gets all the broken stuff. If Jesus was right here, would we give him a piece of junk? Hey, we want to honor you. Here's my piece of junk. I was going to throw it away, but since you're here, I'll give it to you. Right? Would we do that? No. And this woman... What had all these other? What what disturbs me is all these other fellows were around Jesus. Were they bringing him anything? Saying we want to honor you, we want to give you our bet. No. In fact, Judah's just jealous that he didn't get a piece of the pie. What, what, what Jesus was getting? He he was well. Why didn't you sell that? Because the money. And he said the money could be given to the poor, but it wasn't. So he could give to the poor. So he could steal it. He didn't even seem to understand who was at the table with him. Jesus said, leave her alone. Now he says, she has anointed my body for burial. Does Jesus know he's going to get buried? Yes. First thing I want to point out to you, he knew he's going to get buried right at the table. While she's anointing him, he's like, it's okay. She's just getting me ready for burial. Let's read on and see what else he, he knew in this particular setting it says then judas iscariot who is one of the twelve went off with the chief to the chief priests in order that he might betray him to them and th- and they were glad when they heard this and they promised to give him money and he began seeking an opportunity to betray him at the opportune time now verse 12 says then on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread it says when the passover lamb was being sacrificed the disciples said to jesus where do you want us to go and and prepare for you to eat the Passover? Jesus, we don't know where we're going to go have the, the supper. Um, where do you want us to go do this? Now, does Jesus know where they're going to have the Passover? Watch what he does. This is beautiful. He says to them, you two. He sent two of the disciples. He said, go into the city and you will see a man that will meet you. He'll be carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now, I got a question for you. In those days, was um, who's job was it that normally carried the water? The women. Yeah, if you look in the Middle East, you you'll see not the men carrying the water. And the women, by the way, are amazing. I mean, these gals, they put these little rolled-up cloth on their head, and they put a pitcher of water that's like, honestly, it's like one of those big five-gallon, you know, bottled water things that that today most of the most folks are like I can't even lift it and put it over upside down inside the cooler thing you know the bubbler but these gals put it on their head and they walk I mean from down low where the wells are all the way up the little slippery ramps all the way up and carry it to their houses these big clay vessels they're heavy and I mean they're like trucking along But Jesus wanted to make sure that they followed the right person to the right room to prepare the Passover. And if he would have said, go to town and follow the gal with a pitcher of water, they could have wound up anywhere because this is something that the gals were customarily doing. So just to make sure they don't blow it, okay, they get to the right house, he goes, go to town. And uh, to the city, and when you see a guy carrying a pitcher of water, follow that guy. See, if you don't know their culture, you wouldn't catch this. He's literally narrowing the field, so they can't mess up. He knows where the provision is. They don't, though. Now, does the Lord know how to direct us to his provision when we don't know? Does he know how to get us there? In this case, I love it. Follow the fella. So they follow him. And then go, it says, Jesus tells him, go to the owner of whatever house he enters and say that the teacher says this. Um, my ge- uh, where is my guest room in which I might eat the Passover with my disciples? I don't know about you guys, but anyone here would volunteer be one of these two fellas that got go to go to find the fellow with the water. And then you're supposed to follow the fellow. And when he goes to the house, you're supposed to go to the door. And excuse me, um, <clears throat> uh, my my master, the teacher, my rabbi says, where's the upper room? What we can eat the uh, meal, you know, um, the, the Passover with my disciples. And it says, and he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare it there for us. So they go to this to follow the fellow. He goes to the house. They knock on the door, and I don't know about you, but I might be a little like I'm wondering if this is gonna work. My my master says um, the teacher. He says, "Where's my um, my guest room? Do you notice that this kind of reads a little bit odd? You know, you just go up and knock on the door and say." Uh, Yeah, my teacher says to say, where's my guest room that I can have the Passover meal with my, with my guys? And it says, and that man, the the Lord of that house will show you a large upper room already decked out. Prepare it there. Does Jesus know where they're going to eat? Yes. And he directed them right to it. Now, does it work? Yeah. They get to the house. It says the disciples went out. Came to the city, found it just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, when it was evening, it says that he came with the twelve, and when they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, did Jesus know which one? First, all right, he knows he's going to die. He knows where they're going to have their last meal. He knows one of them's going to betray him. He even knows which one of the one of them is going to betray him. And all through this whole passage, it seems like nothing really is catching Jesus um, by surprise. He's like, not going, wow, I didn't expect this. Oh, didn't know that was going to happen. Like, he knew everything. He knew it was coming down right away. He knew who's going to betray him right now. And in fact, listen to this. When you read on verse 19, they began to be grieved and said to one another, surely it's not I. I wouldn't do it. And he said to them, it is the one who dips with me into the bowl. And the son of man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man that he had not been born. So he took, now it doesn't say it here, but if I want to just use one of the other gospel accounts, I can flip over in John's, I believe John tells us who, exactly when he dipped the bread, the sop, and he gave it to who? To Judas. And Judas, it says, he, he took it, and he, de- after partaking of that, that morsel, he departed to go betray Jesus. He's going to go get the get, get his 30 pieces of silver for betraying the Lord. So he'll dismiss now. And uh, and yet Jesus isn't done. The meal, it says, verse 22 of Mark 14 says, and while they were eating. This is the same thing it tells us in Matthew twenty six twenty six. Jesus then took the bread. And after a, a blessing, he broke it and he gave it to them. He said, take this. This is my body. Then it says he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he drank from it. He said, this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is to be shed on behalf of many. Truly, I say to you, I shall never drink the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new, new with you in the kingdom of God. He knew this is farewell, guys. For me, it's very strengthening to remember Jesus would actually do. Jesus was. My hero, I mean this guy, they called him Rabboni in he in Hebrew. Do you guys know what Rabboni means? Doesn't Rabbi means teacher. When you add Rabboni, it means great teacher. Okay, great teacher. He was a great teacher. Now Jesus, the great teacher, he picked something that they would do every year as a Jew. It was was Passover optional for the Jews? Were they supposed to celebrate this feast? Every single year they're to remember God's great deliverance where God caused death to pass over and not touch those that were. Remember, Passover took place when they were in Egypt. It was the very last, what we call the straw, what broke uh, Pharaoh's back, so to speak, that made him let the people that were in bondage go the people of God, that he was going to set free. And Pharaoh's like, I'm not letting them go. I'm not letting them go. Until finally, the Lord says, Pharaoh, I'm going to bring a plague on you. It's going to be the death of every firstborn. Now, the only way you could miss out on having the death of your firstborn child or your firstborn of the flock of all your animals, any firstborn, to not die was very specific. You had to take a lamb. And you had to slay it and you had to take its blood with a hyssop branch. You had to paint the doorpost and the lintel of your house. That's the, you know, the upright frame of the doorway and the the part that goes across the top. And then you had to take the lamb, roast the entire thing and go inside and eat, it says, the entire lamb. This was God's way of saying we're getting out of town, but I'm going to send you out on a full belly. So we're getting you ready. And, and to get them ready, he says, you stay inside the house. Because the angel of death is going to come and visit every house. And if they don't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel, the angel of death will go inside and visit the firstborn. But if they have the blood of the lamb, what happened with the death? It passed over. That's why it's called Passover. They had this beautiful story. What? was a, a type. Now, Jews love these stories, the shadows and types that teach the truth about God. Where a lamb, remember when John the Baptist, first thing he sees Jesus, behold the, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here comes the lamb. That's the guy. This whole thing, the shadows and types to teach us. What a great teacher. Now he's at the Passover dinner. And he says, guys, he took the bread He said, this this bread is my my body. Now, the Jews knew that they had to eat the Passover lamb before they would be set free. And they needed the blood of that lamb to be covering the doorposts and lintel. That was their protection. Then Jesus, the great teacher, says, take this bread. He blessed it and he broke it. He said, this is my body. Just to remember, Jesus' body was broken for us. He says, do this in remembrance of me. This his, th- this is just a, a symbolic we're remembering. Jesus would let his body. Some people are like, was the bread really his body? I, I go, I, okay, wait wait, Read the story. He's at the table. How was the bread his body? I mean, some people get really, well, well, this is another carryover from my Catholic upbringing. They taught us this doctrine called transubstantiation. Big word for saying, mystically, the bread becomes the body. And they actually taught us that you're actually biting Jesus because the bread becomes Jesus. And so my Nona, she would be like, don't chew on him. Just, and it, oh, you guys could, I know it sounds so, but I'm just, tell, I'm a little boy, I'm raised Catholic, I'm going to Catholic school, I'm, I'm, I'm trained to be an altar boy, and she tells me, you can't chew Jesus, just suck on the wafer. You know, Jesus was at the table with his disciples. He took bread and he said, this is to represent my body. So, you know, like a good teacher picks a some, they, they know bread. You know, in John's gospel, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, which has come down from heaven. Now, I've shared this before, but where's Jesus born? Bethlehem, which translates Beth. Is house lay is of and ham is in Hebrew bread. So the bread of life was born mystically. Oh, oh, that's probably coincidence, right? That the bread of life was born in a place called the house of bread. I mean, talk about a clue. OK, Jesus was born that bread of life. And if we want to partake of him, all we got to do is say, Lord, forgive me. Now, before we take communion, it says you have to judge one person. Yourself, not anyone. Some of you are going, yeah, all right, this is gonna be fun. No, do not judge your spouse, do not judge your coworker, do not judge your boss. Judge yourself. If there's anything, before we take this, before we do, I want you to just to pray with me, and just go before the Lord. Let's take a moment, bow our heads and our hearts, and say, Lord, if there's anything what's not right within us we come before you and, uh, the one who has given all mercy and grace who has given your body to be that that payment for our sin you would give of your blood to make a new covenant for us lord that covenant where we would remove our sins and forgive all of our transgressions we we come before you lord lord we know we're just we're just but clay and some of our clay is not perfect. So, Lord, forgive us our imperfections. And in those things, Lord, that you are speaking to our spirits that we need to let go of, just help us this day. Let go of hardness of heart, bitterness, things that are holding us back. Unbelief, Lord, forgive us. Even like that man cry out, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I ask that you'd help each person's faith here today. As we come before you, now take a moment and ask the Lord to forgive you of whatever thing that you know His Spirit's been nudging you and prodding you about. So I don't want you to take this unwittingly or not not soberly before the Lord. I want you to to think, Lord, I I want to be right with you. And if He shows you anything right now, just say, Lord, forgive me of that thing. Lord, collectively, we come before you with all of our cries. Forgive us. Cleanse us and strengthen us as we partake of this communion. May this just boost our faith for this next week, that we would partake of you, what you've done for us. In remembrance of your gift of yourself, Lord, we take of this bread. We say to you, the bread of life, thank you. Give to us life. And when he was done, he wisely took the cup, said, this is a cup of new covenant in my blood. Do this. It's for your remission of your sin. Re- remission means the complete removal. Anyone want your sins completely removed? Lord, remove our sins as we partake. To Jesus, l'chaim. That's Hebrew for to life, l'chaim. I want you to know one thing as you go into this next week. All your sins are forgiven. When you partake of that, he can take care of all our sin. He he washed it all. He paid for it all. And some of you guys are stuck with baggage, spiritual baggage that's holding you back because you're like feeling like, I don't know if he could forgive me for this. I don't know if he could help me with that. It's pretty heavy. Your sins are forgiven. Not maybe not hopefully, could be, would be. They are. you starting off fresh, guys. This is the greatest thing I could tell you, to start off your week. When you partake of communion, you say, Lord, forgive me. He goes, done. So everything's clean slate. You're ready to start off new. Don't take any of the mistakes from last week and carry them over into this week. They're gone. What does the psalmist say? Look out there. See that ocean? When you ask God forgive, he says he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. You say, Lord, forgive. As far as east is from west, he takes your sin. You go, Lord, forgive me this. This, this is like a stain on my. He goes, give me that. Crumples it up and whoo, sends it flying. The biggest strong arm there is. He throws that thing. It says as far as east. how's far east from west? Infinity, right? Goes on forever. He takes your sin and removes it from you. So if he's taken your sin and sent it going, it, it's packing, it's gone. Why should you try to pack it into this next week? Why should you carry it forward? Like, oh man, but I really blew it. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Your new creation. The old things have passed away. Let them go. Let's walk new. Let's walk clean. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.